Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Shea. After a week off, Andy, you all ready to talk Penn State football? I am, Jimmy. We're marching towards the uh, end of spring practice. Spring game is not far away, so what do we got, another week or so till the end of practice? So let's march forward, sir. And we'll march towards that spring game. And a reminder, of course, and Andrew P. is going to be there. We're going to be having a tailgate event at the Blue-White game co-sponsored with the We Are NIL Collective. So it's the collective that will benefit from this. It's going to be a fantastic, fun event. We're going to have great food from 409, beer from New Trail Brewery, wine from Blue and White Wines. And we're going to have the event at the Revel XP lot. If you haven't been there before, it'll be a real treat for you. That's that area with all the big white tents close to the stadium, next to the soccer field. An absolute great place for tailgating. I know it. Andy knows it too. And best of all, it all benefits the student athletes at Penn State. I hear the question all the time. I'm not a big money guy, but can I help out? Yes, this is a way you can help out. In the meantime, enjoy great food, great drink. Talk to folks like Andy about uh, Penn State football. And we're also going to have several of the players' parents there, and they'll be a lot of fun to talk to also. If you want more information and your tickets, go to thetailgateclub.com. All the information there. We hope to see you. All right, Andy, let's hit on some news of the week. The big news, Trey Potts, running back originally from Williamsport, Minnesota uh, running back the last several years, entered the transfer portal. And he chose to come home to Penn State. Looking for a third running back is not the easiest thing to do in the transfer portal. I got to think this is absolutely a best case scenario for Penn State. Yeah, this is this is a bit of a steal for Penn State, in my opinion, because you shouldn't. I mean, you you have to be a little concerned about it, but I mean, you have two studs going into their true sophomore year. I mean, absolute pure studs who both produced at a second and third level as true freshmen. But beyond that, that's it. I mean, they have three walk-ons. They have two freshmen coming in, one true freshman, one who's coming off an injury. So Trey brings uh, experience and a sense of, I think, sort of, you know, if actually anything happens to one of these guys, what's the running back position look like? He answers that question, in my opinion. I mean, he's got four years of experience. He wasn't a super high-end recruit coming out of high school. I think he was a three-star out of Williamsport, but he's he's produced at the college level. He already has like a college body football-wise. Um, he's played there. He's been at Minnesota for four years. He's a two-time academic. Uh, no, excuse me, a three-time academic All-Big Ten selection. So that's good. 
Uh, he's got two years remaining, not just one because of the COVID. He's got he's played 24 games, has more than 100 carries. Carries he averages over four yards a carry, and it's just a sort of bedrock for the two superstars at this position for Penn State. And I don't I know Jay Wansider recruited him as sort of the you know the bedrock of the position behind these guys, like I said, but I also think he can contribute to this offense much sooner than later. He's just not gonna be somebody they bring in to stand over there in case something happens to one of the two studs. They're still your studs, but I think there is a clear and defined role that Sider will carve out for a guy with Trey Potts' unique skills and what he brings to the table as a veteran running back. And I think a couple extra points to add to it is he did get some starting experience at Minnesota when Abraham was injured and he carried the load, so he can do that. The second part to that is the fact that it was Minnesota that he played means he also has Big Ten experience. This is, if you wanted to paint a picture of what a transfer portal running back would look like, best case scenario for Penn State, this was it. So, Amen. uh, Very good setup for Penn State, and there's no doubt he knows where he is in the pecking order. Um, so he knows that going in. There's no false expectations. I'm sure of that. Great, great pickup for Penn State and a great insurance policy in case there's any injuries to the big two. All right, Andy, um, another topic I wanted to get to with you uh, been, was in the news this week. Hugh Freeze, the new coach at Auburn, and I don't know what the context was of the Uh, press conference, if he brought it up on his own, if the media did. But what he talked about was the idea of for the spring games, instead of just having the practice or the scrimmage among with your own team, he talked about bringing in another team for the scrimmage. Now, he didn't talk. He's at Auburn. He didn't talk about bringing Alabama in for the scrimmage. He talked about bringing in, you know, an FCS school or some, you know, Troy or Alabama State, someone like that. Comparable here at Penn State might be like a Villanova or a Delaware coming in for this kind of scrimmage. What are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, it was, it's an interesting uh, prospect. I do know, I heard about it, I think last year from South Carolina's coach, he, he spoke briefly about it and sort of, you know, as not as a trial balloon for any reason, but he spoke about it and that, you know, that he thought it might be something that would be good for college football in the future. And he's a big fan of it. And I, you know, you, you mentioned it to me and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't fit. It's not college football, but I mean, if I think about it, I'm like, okay, the NFL's always had a preseason schedule, and we all say the preseason doesn't matter, and it doesn't because it doesn't count. But I think it does matter a little bit. You've got – that's the next level. At the high school level, you've got all of these. You've always had preseason scrimmages in camp leading up to the regular season. Now you've got all these 
you know, these jamborees and multi-team scrimmages and seven-on-sevens during the spring and summer. So, I mean, college football doesn't have anything. I would be a maybe a bigger proponent of a preseason, something closer resembling a preseason game, or maybe it's just an exhibition during the August window maybe. But, I mean, you have 15 practices, so you're going good on good, right? A lot of good on good forever. Then you go good on good all fall. So I think an exhibition of some type in this, you know, during this last weekend of spring ball, I mean, it makes it makes a little bit of sense to me. It, it gives gives your team a break and gives you a little bit of incentive to up the ante in terms of the exhibition workload. So um, spring games have kind of become, you know, because coaches have won it that way. I don't know if you agree with me or not, Jimmy. I don't know what the listeners think, but I think they've kind of become boring and mundane the last half decade or so. Um for, for a reason, right? Like, that's the way um, coaches want it. The big problem for me, as I think about this holistically, is <laughs> ah, the NCAA have to prove this, and they're not very forward-thinking or progressive as a governing body at all. And, you know, they're slow to react to almost everything and anything for the most part. So I, I think it would be – I think if you look at it, and the way I translated it when I was thinking about it was when you expand the playoffs, let's go to some kind of giving schools an option or the opportunity to do an exhibition in the spring and see how that sticks. If you're going to, you know, when you expand the college football playoffs, see if you want to give teams a little opportunity to bolster their spring. So I don't really see a downside to it. And I really had a, I was looking for one. And I'm like, yeah, no, I think I kind of like this idea. And Andy, I don't think there is a downside because if they do allow it, it doesn't mean you have to do it. If you're right. curmudgeonly coach, no way, not on my watch, fine, don't do it. But I think for everyone, it's it's a winning situation. The biggest fear is injury. Well, quite candidly, if you have another team out there, it technically cuts your chance of injury in half, okay? Um, yeah. The issue with having not enough offensive linemen to field two teams, that goes away. You only have to field one team. Um, and Hugh Freeze even brought this up. Well, if you're playing another team, what about the concern of getting your quarterback hit? And his response to that was, look, we all know how this works. We all have that in practice. We all know how to play in a way where you don't hit the quarterback. So that should not be a problem. As far as from the fan base standpoint, wouldn't you rather see Penn State play another team, even if it is, you know, a Delaware or a Villanova or someone like that, rather than having, you know, a Penn State player... Anytime you might be happy that the Penn State running back made a great run, you're also upset because the defense gave up a big run. Wouldn't it be better for everybody all around? And I, I, I think it's an idea whose time has come. There is not a downside to it, Andy. 
Yeah, the other thing about that I think is important, that's why I think exhibition is a good word. Um, This won't be a game. It'll be an exhibition with a purpose. And I also think it'll look a lot like a lot of spring games look right now, other than the fact that the players themselves will be able to sort of ply their trade against fresh meat, right? Like, that's an incentive enough right there. Like, we're going to – it's going to look the same, but we're not going to do it against the same guys that you've been beating your head against for 14 practices. That's a difference maker. That's a big difference maker, Jimmy. It it is for the players, someone different to look at across the line of scrimmage, more fun for them, less injuries for the coaches, much more interesting for the fans. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got lots more to go. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Andy. I'm Jim. We've got lots of Penn State football talk left. Uh, Andy, for the quarter two and quarter four, something a little bit different. Um, we had one of our listeners for the Ask Andy segment, and this is Daniel from Bell Vernon. I'm going to pat him on the back. Daniel, good job. He sent in two questions, and you know what? They were good enough questions, Andy, that instead of putting them to you in the Ask Andy segment, 
we're actually going to do two segments based on the two questions that Daniel sent in. Because of that, I'm making an executive decision here, Andy. I'm overruling you. Your vote doesn't count today. Daniel will be the winner of our Ask Andy segment. If you can put in two questions and they both become segment topics, you deserve the win. So, Daniel, you're our big winner for today. And uh, Daniel sent in, as I said, two questions. Let me get to the first one, and we're going to expound on it a bit. He asked about Pat Kraft's um, challenges in handling the new scheduling coming up in the Big Ten. Now, it's not going to be Pat Kraft's final. He's not the final say on how the Big Ten is going to do their scheduling once USC and UCLA comes on board. But we do know that teams, athletic directors, coaches from the various teams um, have their input. They get their say. Uh, Some have more say than others, Ohio State and Michigan. But (laughs) at Penn State, is it not time, first of all, for the athletic director to stand up and be heard at these Big Ten meetings looking out for the best interest of Penn State, Andy? So I think... <laughs> I think yes or no? Kraft, it's an easy question, Andy. Should he be standing up for Penn State at these meetings? Yes or no? He will stand up and scream at the top of his lungs if he has to about Penn State football not playing a road game in its Big Ten opener. The first chance he gets where that's going to impact the schedule. So the answer is yes, Jimmy. There's your answer. Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Well, now it becomes, all right, if he's going to stand up and be heard, what should he be saying? First of all, as you said, it's been how many, what is it, 53 years in a row that Penn State has been starting their first Big Ten conference game on the road. Sometimes it's even been their first game of the year. A couple of years ago, first game was at Madison. Last year, first game of the year was at Purdue. Not exactly a cakewalk, either one of those games, at, to start on the road, but they've had to do this year after year. That's probably the starting point, Andy. So does he go after that, and what else does he go after? Yeah, so... Let's assume that the Penn State's that not Penn State that the Big Ten. I'm sorry, is going to go with its 16 teams. Are going to go three six six, and the first challenge of that will be at the conference. I think the they have to list the conference will have to listen and give the athletic directors a voice. The conference is going to make the final decision on this, and it's it. I think the first thing with Pat Kraft is shaping what Penn State's voice looks like on the new schedule in terms of what he thinks is best for Penn State when it comes to determining those three rivals. That's going to be a big proponent, at least in my opinion. That doesn't mean he's going to get what he wants. That doesn't mean the fan base isn't going to be happy. That doesn't mean all 16 fan bases in the Big Ten are going to be happy with this. With using the word competitive balance, and making all 16 fan bases happy when it comes to scheduling those or determining those three rivals, that's an impossible task. So you're going to have to listen to the 
cases made on each school's behalf of what they are looking for and what they think will benefit them. Still, the conference isn't going to do what the Big Ten athletic directors ask. They're just going to use it as another base of information for them to make a final decision. So it's going to be a tough one for the conference. So they have to listen to those that are going to be, you know, at at the end of the day are going to be told what those three rivals are. And they need to hear those voices. So I think that's his first big one. Is it? I mean, it, it just seems like it makes so much sense that it would be Ohio State, Maryland, and Rutgers. But maybe that's not the way Pat Kraft sees it. So I will be very interested to hear what he thinks and how he presents that to the Big Ten Conference in terms of what he thinks is best for his university as the athletic director. That's where I think his voice gets heard in terms of the scheduling first. When you talk about the rivals, it's interesting the three that you picked. And it's funny, I've talked to different people about that question, who should the rivals be? And some of it is, how much should Penn State be looking for big games, which would mean Ohio State, Michigan, USC, okay, they're the high-profile teams in the Big Ten. How much should it be geographic rivals? You mentioned Maryland. You mentioned Rutgers. How much of it should be based on competitive balance? If Ohio State or Michigan or USC doesn't have any other rival, and I we know that's not going to be the case. Ohio State, Michigan will be one of the rivals, so they'll definitely have each other. But how much does it? Um, how much are you worried about your schedule and your difficulty of schedule versus those other blue bloods? Yeah, that's. I mean, all the blue bloods are going to be fighting. They're going to be fighting the same uphill battle. They're, all the Blue Buds aren't going to want to have two Blue Bloods as a rival, right? They don't mind another one, per se, but they're not going to, from their perspective, they're not going to want two, right? Like, okay, me, I mean, as a college football fan, do I love the fact that Penn State, Michigan, and, and Ohio State play each other every single year? Yeah, I actually do. I love those football games. But Competitive balance-wise, when you're looking at the conference, does it make much sense? Absolutely not. 100%, it does not make sense as a competitive balance, serving your conference members the best and giving them the greatest opportunity to succeed. That's not the way you do it. You don't put them in the same room and say, slam each other, and then we'll let the rest of them hang on the outside and figure out who's the best team. So... They're all going to have that same interest. I just, I think geography has to matter because <laughs> at you being the Penn State fan and the big Penn State fan always goes with the Michigan-Ohio State thing because they're going to play at noon on the last week of the year and nobody's going to change that. So you have to be, you know, you have to be cognizant of rivalries and geography. But the Blue Buds are all going to fight against we don't want to kill ourselves in this room with by playing, you know, the same, by playing two Blue Bloods in our three games. We just don't want it. If one kind of makes a case, if you hear about one making a case where they didn't want to play any, that would trouble me if if I'm a fan of that school. I mean, if you're Penn State, for example, Pat Kraft goes in there and doesn't want either Ohio State or Michigan and makes a case and argument, 
to have on their schedule every year. Well, really, are you, you know, are you serving the the football team and the fan base best by making that argument? I would say no, absolutely not. Two is too many. One's the right number. You, we've been saying it for years. What's Penn State's biggest hampering to getting to the next level? The fact that they're in the same freaking division with Ohio State and Michigan. End of story. So, right, Andy, 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 Andy. Well, you keep saying about not playing two blue bloods, but if you give Penn State, Ohio State, Ohio State will now have Michigan and Penn State, two of the blue bloods on their schedule. So would it make more sense for Penn State to have USC as that rival? Michigan and Ohio State have each other. That gives each team a blue blood, and then the other teams, they'll alternate every year, which would mean for Penn State, you get USC every year and then you alternate Michigan and Ohio State. So let, let, let's let's move. Go ahead. Okay. You know, you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't say they only get one, but then give Ohio State two. Yeah, but Michigan and Ohio State are making a choice. They want to play each other. They're saying that's off the table. The conference doesn't get a choice there. Right, right. But if every team's arguing for only one blue blood. But anyway, let, let's move on from that one. And what are the other things that Pat Kraft should be looking at? And these are a couple things that Dan from Bell Vernon brought up, which was no back-to-back Blue Bloods, which is he's obviously pointing at Penn State having to play Michigan and Ohio State in several years back-to-back. I I think that's a good point, too. You shouldn't do that to anybody. Yep, 100% agree with with him there. The, the other thing I think for um, Pat Kraft, and this is me, and you alluded to it, uh, that I always talk about Michigan and Ohio State having a disproportionate amount of power. There is there any doubt in the world, any doubt, with the new schedule, we're still going to get Michigan-Ohio State at noon on the final week? Is there any doubt no. in your mind? No, okay. there's no doubt. Exactly. They get to selfishly say, hey, here is it. And again, they've earned that right. That gets the biggest ratings in in college football. But the whiteout game is such a huge game also. Yep. Should not Pat Kraft be able to say, hey, look, we want to be able to schedule a whiteout game with the best team on our schedule, and we want it to be scheduled at night. We don't want you to force a noon game on us when we have the biggest game on our schedule. If if Michigan State and Ohio State or Michigan and Ohio State could insist on a noon game for their game, can't Penn State insist on a night game for their whiteout for their biggest game? If that's what Pat Kraft thinks is best, night game for Penn State in a whiteout scenario. And it is an elite game, Jimmy. It 100% is an elite college football experience game. And it is. And it should be treated as such. And if he feels it should be a night game, then I want it to be a night game. And guess what? The Big Ten will have, has the television power with the Fox, CBS, and NBC trio, NBC being the night game, to say, put this monster on NBC at night. I think he has 100% right to do that, Jimmy. I, I do too. And the biggest thing is exercise that power you are Penn State you are a blue blood 
you should be able to do that when the Big Ten folks get together. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, we're going to ask Andy. Stay tuned for that. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim, he's Andy, and we call this segment Ask Andy. We missed it last week when Andy was out. We are back. This is where we take your questions for Andy. If you want to submit a question, download our app. Just search Keystone Sports. You'll see it. There's an Ask Andy button. You hit the button, fill in your information, and we'll see about getting your question on the air. Typically, at the end of the segment, Andy will pick out the best question, and that person will get the prize pack from 409 Tailgate Club. This week, the fix is in. I've already made the decision. Dan from Bell Vernon, I picked him because he actually gave us a couple questions that we are using for our topics of quarter two and quarter four. He instigated us a bit with that question in quarter two. We'll see if Andy and I debate a little bit in quarter four also. But right now, let's hit your questions, all right? Let's start with uh, Dan and Berwick. Dan says, with Dion Barnes being a great potential but still green coach, who do you think will be his primary personal mentor? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, you have to look at somebody on the coaching staff. I, I mean, he played for James. 
I don't know. Um, I mean, if he's smart, <laughs> you look at what maybe you hitch yourself to Manny Diaz because he's a potential future head coach and he's got an what I call an advanced college football mind when it comes to coordinating a defense. Um, he's still got to prove his chops as a head coach, but man, is he a wicked smart, innovative, creative coordinator when he has assets at his disposal. See last year and look forward to this year, Penn State fans. Um, so I, I would go with Manny Diaz. That's a good question, though. I mean, but you know, I'm sure James is his mentor because, you know, James has picked him. He chose him. He pulled him out of the high school ranks in Philadelphia and brought him on staff because he saw something special. So that's the easy answer. But in terms of, you know, increasing your football acumen in terms of what you do on that side of the football, I mean, he's going to his sort of first, you know, to go military on you, Jimmy, is his first line supervisor is Manny Diaz. And that's a pretty that's a pretty good guy to have in your corner. I think the names that you mentioned, Diaz and, of course, James Franklin, um, his direct report, the head coach who hired him, obviously yeah. great examples. I'm going to point at the other position coaches on the defense, Poindexter, Terry Smith. They're veteran guys. They've been yeah. around a while. I think, it, you know, when mentor, I don't think necessarily of the boss or the boss's boss, but I think right. as someone who those guys can be considered peers as position coaches, but they've been around the block several times. I, I think he would could do a lot worse than those two guys in, in helping him out. Yeah, that's, a right. great call, that's a great call by you. Terry Smith is just a natural mentor when he talks to people. He's just that kind of human being. I mean, great call, Jimmy. Good, good, okay. good. Well, then uh, maybe I'll get the prize then this week. All right, let's move <laughs> on. Let's go to Carl in Somerset who says, are there any players or positions in particular, Andy, that you're going to be watching for in the blue-white game? Ooh, good one. Um, yes, I am going to be watching – I'm going to be watching the quarterback position. I'm go On the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to be watching the quarterback and the 19 wide receivers Penn State has on scholarship. That Or, you know, they're, it's going to be a lot. So I'm watching the quarterback and the wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, because it's going to be a controlled atmosphere, I'm going to watch the safeties, all of them. I don't care if they're second, third, late in the game. I don't care. I'm watching all the safeties for Penn State just because I'm curious to see what development these guys are look like at as they've moved on and advanced to another level and it's coming I, I really do I feel it strongly that safety will be a position of depth strength it's just that I think right now in this time frame right now they're looking at figuring out what that depth looks like and how what the pecking order looks like I don't think they're trying to figure out who's going to play there I think they're trying to figure out 
how many plays is each guy going to get and what's that pecking order going to be. And I think you'll get a little taste of that in the, in the spring exhibition game. So that's where I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. I'll tell you, and you hit on it a little bit. Uh, I'm going to really be focused on the wide receivers. I think that's the one place, yep. Andy, that somebody could up their stock at running back, I don't care how well Tank Smith runs the ball. <laughs> it's not going to affect his status. Right. It's even, you know, at quarterback and, you know, if Bo Prabula lights it up and uh, Drew Aller struggles, despite the fact that James Franklin calls it a competition, I don't think that's going to change anything. At wide receiver, though, there's so many numbers, so much potential there. Who's going to show something? Who's going to do something a little bit special to stand out? I think it is the one position where a player can make a difference in in his status. All right, uh, let's go to Keith in Jersey Shore. Keith says, hey, Andy, I very much respect your opinion. It seems as though you are overall happy with James Franklin as a coach but think it's his game day coaching that needs improvement. I think that hits that pretty accurate, Andy, yeah, having known you for many weak. years. I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's weak. Here is Keith's question, though. I'm sorry, I did, but what exactly do you think he needs to work on in his game day coaching? So I think it, it's, for me, it's his, it's the decision-making and the nuances of the game and that I think strike me as where he could most focus to become a little bit better than he has been. And, and I think he's big on not making the same mistakes twice. And I think he's, he needs to be a little bit more convicted on making a decision and when he makes it some third down and fourth down decisions and, you know, when to hold them, when to fold them. It just, if I, I'm not going to name specific instances, but more often than not, you know, you just kind of cocking your head and you're like, what, what are you doing? Like that's, this isn't the time or that doesn't make sense now, or this situation doesn't warrant that. And not that everything has to make perfect sense, but his seemed to make me cock my head a little bit more than most, that is probably it more than anything. I think early in his career it was, you know, you could talk about the managing of timeouts and, and that I think that was a precursor to what you, you know, we've seen at times of like, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, why are you fighting that fight at your own 42 yard line? you know, with four minutes remaining in the first quarter of a 7-3 game. I, that, ju that just doesn't make any sense to me unless you're prone to go for it on fourth down, you know, more often than not or half of the time or 45% of the time. It, that it would probably be it for me in the subtleties of not that he makes that decision. Sometimes it's the timing that leaves me going like, whoa, whoa go for it or, you know, do something different or it's not work six times. Why do it the seventh time? So it's a little bit of that. If 
anything, and that would be my only, um, as a CEO and head football coach of a major college football program, that would be my only shortcoming that I see in James Franklin. Andy, and maybe this is saying the same thing, but a little bit differently. I think James Franklin tries to be so well-prepared going into a game or for anything he does that sometimes he locks himself into something like, all right, against this team, we feel confident we can make it on a fourth and one. But the circumstances of the game itself may or should adjust that thinking perhaps, but he's already locked in because he's so well prepared. He's locked into a decision ahead of time. And I think that where most of the time being so well prepared ahead of time works for you, he may need to adapt though come game time. All right, let's go to Jason in Kingston who says, where does this team need improvement if they're going to beat Michigan or Ohio State? Uh, that's pretty easy, Jason. It's, it is um, the ability to have a quarterback perform at another level or have a single player wreck a game on either side of the ball for Penn State to win that game. It could be the quarterback. It could be, you know, a defensive back picking off two or three passes individually. It could be five sacks by a guy and just be unblockable. They have to get a they have to be able to finish those big games with somebody losing their ever-loving mind as a player and just making it absolutely impossible for that team to lose no matter what happens. I, I just think that's it. It would be easy to say the quarterback, but the quarterback could do that. The quarterback has more ability to do that. So I see that position as top of the list, but I don't see it as the sole reason. Like, oh, get better quarterback play. That, you know, last year's game with Ohio State is a prime example. Penn State wins that game. If number 44 for Ohio State, that defensive lineman, does not single-handedly wreck that game. Penn State, they don't have to do that every year, but they need somebody to do that every now and then. And they just need quarterback play at another level to compete at that level with those two teams. They're close. They have a bad matchup with Michigan, but they're close. Hey, Andy, I'll tell you what, and I may be saying the same thing. I wrote down one word, talent. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> haven't had as much talent. And the fact is, I think going forward, Going into the season, they have three guys on the preseason All-American team, and I don't even think their two best players are part of that three. So you have to have more really good players. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around. We got more to go with quarter four. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.
We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four, Andy. And we don't have to name a winner this time around. We already did it. It's Daniel from Belvern, and we'll be getting in touch with you. Daniel um, sent in a couple questions. We turned those questions into full segments. In quarter number two, we talked about Pat Kraft and the things he needs to do um, as far as putting his foot down when talking to the Big Ten folks about scheduling. And he got Andy and I... uh, into a little bit of a debate on some of those things. Let's see if that same thing works out here. His other question was on the new Big Ten commissioner. We know Kevin Warren moved on. He's now, what, president of the Chicago Bears. So the Big Ten needs a new commissioner. And Daniel asked about what attributes should we be looking for with with a new commissioner of the Big Ten. And that will lead right into, you know, what his priorities need to be. So I'll open it up to you, Andy. I'm going to make you king of the Big Ten. And you get to name a commissioner. What is it you're going to be looking for? What attributes? Yeah, so that's, it's, it is a really good thought and question. I think you need somebody, so I'm looking for somebody that can be innovative going forward in terms of final level expansion for the conference because clearly under Warren, they've stopped, right? They're they're not like shut it down, but any additional expansion to the Big Ten Conference that's going to happen beyond the addition of USC and UCLA and the Pac-12 Conference appears to be ripe because it's an absolute train wreck of a mess in terms of revenue right right now there. What that looks like 
for the future is going to be done on the new commissioner's watch. So that is somebody who can, uh, you're looking for somebody who can be a little innovative and creative in terms of what a even bigger and next level Big Ten looks like. I think in terms of a sort of financial person or somebody who's good at figuring out, you know, the dollars and cents, I don't think you have to worry about that person. Kevin, you know, Warren, if nothing else, he he showed he was a show me the money guy. He is turning over a very prosperous war chest, I guess is a good way to put it, for the next commissioner of the Big Ten with the television football contracts that he has lined up. So I I think they need somebody that has a history of success inside the walls of college sports and college football and somebody who understands the devil and the details of college sports, sort of the nuances of what is, you know, what makes it go. And lastly, I will say, I think you need somebody that understands that you can't be a rival of everybody else or you can't sort of fight with the SEC. For example, you have to have a sort of respect while recognizing you're still rivals, but be able to work and respect each other. And I don't think that was the case under Warren. I mean, if you remember, you know, when the SEC and Big Ten were sort of growing into the powers that they are, um, Delaney and, oh, I can't think of the commissioner's name from the SEC off the top of my bald head. But they could, they knew each other were rivals. They didn't necessarily like each other but they found a way to mutually exist as two powerhouses sort of rising. So I think that is important going forward for the Big Ten. I really think it is. But I think expansion and figuring that out so that USC sort of and UCLA kind of aren't on an island, I think you need someone with the chops to sort of do that in a smart, sensible financial way. Andy, when they've talked about candidates for the position, I saw three different types of people suggested. One was someone with a television background, saw where they talked about the ACC commissioner, who obviously has commissioner experience, and the other was the athletic director at Ohio State, meaning someone with a lot of Big Ten experience. And if they pick that one, I'll go absolutely freaking bonkers, Andy. But which <laughs> of those attributes would be would you emphasize and consider most important? Yeah, so I don't think the uh, – I think you could get a little bit of both in one candidate if, if you're looking at the candidate. I, I don't think someone who's a Big Ten athletic director just because they have Big Ten experience, and I don't say this about Gene Smith – the Ohio State Athletic Director, I just don't think that fits. Everybody loves him, per se, you know, in the professional world that he's in. Not Penn State fans who hate Ohio State do not care for him. but um, and, and they shouldn't, right? I think, I, well, I'm Andy, let me, inter- let me interrupt you. Andy, and let me interrupt you. One could argue he already has experience running the conference. Well, that's – I wasn't going to say it, Jimmy, but you did. I said – you're correct. So, I mean, I, I with the television contracts you have set up and 
by Warren that you're inheriting? You know, I mean, do you need immediate television experience from your guy? I I don't think so. I mean, the guy at Fox Sports makes perfect sense, right? Mark Silverman. I mean, Kevin Warren gets a lot of credit for all these negotiations and, you know, they then hired. But, I mean, Silverman was right there. He's the one that sort of revived the noon spot for college football through Fox Sports. That was his idea, the new kickoff and making that sort of undervalued time slot more of a valued time slot again. So he's done that. He would be a, a good candidate. I mean, he worked. He was the president of the BTN for more than a decade. So he's got plenty of Big Ten experience. I just don't know if he wants the job. Um, if you're looking for commissioner experience and does that matter, I I don't know if it does, but, you know, Jim Phillips is running the ACC and he was a finalist for the job when Kevin Warren got it. He wanted it. He's got Big Ten history. AD at Northwestern, went to school in the Big Ten. He's not exactly a warm and fuzzy guy in the ACC. I think he fits the ACC, but and what he's doing. But is he? Is that the kind of guy you're looking for? I don't. I, I think he might get the job just at a cause because he understands a little bit more. But I, I think you're looking for somebody who understands the nuances of college sports and college football. And to me, if you're talking about a name, Jim Phillips fits it more than anybody else. It might not be the popular choice, but he fits more than anybody else. And I think he really would like the job because he wanted the job last time. Well, see, I, Andy, think that the television experience or if it's not that specific guy, but somebody who understands the ramifications of television because that is going to be the biggest decision. And even when you talk expansion, what you're talking about is how it affects television and the revenues that come yes. with that. For yes. example, you know, expanding on the West Coast, bringing in an Oregon or you know, Washington, teams like that. It's not just about, oh, well, now we've got to split the big television pie you know, 16 ways instead of 14 or 18 instead of 16. It's also about, are you creating more inventory for television? Do you have the foresight, as you mentioned, somebody identified noon as an undervalued area. Now that the Big Ten has noon locked up, late afternoon locked up, 7.30 locked up, how about that 10 or 10.30, which, by the way, is prime time on the West Coast? Someone who is that enough to make it worthwhile to bring in more West Coast teams and have West Coast inventory? I don't know the answer to that, but I bet a television guy would. And let's face it, one of the Kevin Warren's predecessor, who was there for a thousand years at the Big Ten, probably the biggest decision he ever made was starting the Big Ten network. Again, Correct. it was a television decision that affected the conference the most. Yeah, so I think if you, yeah, I think you're right. I think the next one also has to be able to to sell the conference and understand how to realign this conference, particularly in football, 
so that it relates to college football at another level and creates more sort of next level conversation nationally other than the singled out games that we already know about. I think that's important as well. I, I a hidden candidate that I think doesn't check all the boxes, but could check most of the boxes. I, I love the Stanford AD. He He's running. He understands college sports at just this ridiculous level. And it's, his name is Bernard Muir. He doesn't want to leave the Bay area and Stanford. He could have had the Florida job six, seven years ago as their AD, but he's so innovative and creative inside a, a, a university it's kind of a sticky one and the Pac-12 is a mess right now so you know he's got to be looking at you know like being an AD in the Pac-12 for one of the schools other than USC and UCLA that's got to be a really hard job right now and really really difficult and here you could be handed the keys to a conference with massive television contracts and he gets it he understands the Pac-12. He understands what they bring to the table and what each individual schools, and he could help the Big Ten figure some of that out. I think that's important as well, Jimmy. Well, I think we're all in agreement, though, that whoever this next person is, that expansion and television, which translates into monetizing, this is a business. At the end of the day, it's could you help us make our business make more money is the most important factor. I know you'll hear about the academics and those things at the big time that, that has flown long ago. We know what this is about. It's about business and expansion and television. Those are the two things that are going to drive the money, right? Andy. It is all about, Show me the money, Jimmy. That's just, and football is king. That's just the way it is. Yeah, it's all about revenue and reality. All right, very good, Andrew. That is it for quarter number four and our show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. 
So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.